In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Who is allowed to be your friend? That may sound like a dumb question, but it's an exceedingly difficult question to talk about today because it's difficult to have friends in this world. We look at each other and we decide whether or not we're going to be friends, but I would dare say we have to clarify that because we're talking in many ways about being friends with people in person. Many of you who are on social media, Snapchat, Snapchat Instagram, Facebook, whatever it might be, probably have a bunch of friends that you've never met. You have no idea who they are, where they've come from. Maybe you look at them and they have a friend request and all of a sudden you, you do the friend request and, and you accept it and you find out that they don't even live anywhere close to where you live. You don't know anything about them. We openly and freely are welcoming friends like that online. But I would dare say that because of that, we have lost track of people face to face and with those people who we call friends. We look at people and their political views. Who did they vote for? We look at people and their reputation and their posts on social media. How do they view society? Are they a conservative or are they a progressive? What kind of Christian are they? Or are they a Christian at all? Both sides are troubled by this idea of friendship. Who are you allowed to be friends with? And then there's Jesus today. Jesus eats with tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners. And it's often noted and misused by so many people as some sort of license to sin. But it's also noteworthy that Jesus eats with some people who are even worse. Not only does he eat with tax collectors and sinners, while he was called the friends of sinners, he also eats with the clergy, the Pharisees and the lawyers. He's not only friends with sinners, he's also friends with those who seem religious and good in their own eyes. He goes to the home of government officials, people whose sins maybe are not as public as others, people who seem to be upright and good standing in society, people whose sins are not visible or who aren't cast out by society are marked. But these are secret sinners, people with all those skeletons in their closets, the ones who look good on the outside, yet internally they are nothing but dying. Jesus is not afraid to deal with anybody. He doesn't care about where they're from and who they are. Rich, poor, sick, or healthy, happy or sad, he just isn't scared to get too close to anyone. Those who've had a good life, those who can't get out of the gutter, he wants to bring them all home. He wants to baptize everyone. He wants to bind himself to all people, to take away all sins, and to bring everybody into his kingdom. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Jesus for everybody. Jesus is my best friend, my homie. He is one that I can really get down with. It seems almost impossible or maybe even on the verge of magical. Why? Because we don't like each other. Think about it. Think about the people who outwardly annoy you. 
those people that you work with, those people that are your neighbors, those people that you sit in your classrooms with. Maybe it's your own family. Maybe it's somebody here in the church. I've noticed over time that there are many of you who sit in the same place every Sunday. I would love to see you all shake that up someday. Find a different seat. Let somebody else take your seat and go sit on the other side. Sit next to somebody that maybe you don't know or maybe you don't care to know. I asked this in Milwaukee one time and they actually did it. One lady said, I've never been on this side of the church in 45 years, and it was actually something that I really appreciated because I could hear better and see better over here, but I was so stuck in my ways. And if that's what we're doing in church, then what are we doing out there? Who do we turn a blind eye to? Who do we look at to try to avoid? And so forth. This is important for us to remember. Because you've been changed in your baptism. We look at those people around us and we categorize them. We put them in different classes and systems. Those who are above you are not more than you. And those who below you, they aren't less than you. But that's how you and I view them. Those who are on the pedestals or the footstools that you provide them for around you. But Jesus comes today and says that he wants all of you. It's easy for those who have a good life to look down on those who obviously suffer and are in need. How easy is it to avoid eye contact? How easy is it to look at somebody else on the street corner and to roll up our window? So maybe looking at somebody who is subhuman. And yet, it's the same thing in here at times. You have been called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. What is Paul saying here today? You are the familiar day. You are the family of God. Brothers and sisters with the same Father, with the same faith, with the same baptism, and with the same love and mercy that is poured out freely for you. This isn't an abstract hope that's difficult to pin down. Jesus gives you his name. And where Jesus gives his name, there he is. No, this is a hope for some, this is not some hope for a small segment of the population. It is for all, high and low, in and out, the winners and losers in the game of life. And Jesus tells us very simply today, there's not some hidden magical meaning behind all this. If you glorify yourself, you will be put to shame. Maybe working for a period of time, but in the end it won't endure. Boast of your accomplishments and brag about your conquests in a way that puts you above others, and you will quickly be humbled. Sit at the head of the table, and you will be displaced by somebody who actually belongs at the head of the table. Jesus simply says today, seek the good of others. See what Christ sees in them. See what the Spirit has made in them, and you will always seek the best for them. But it's so hard, isn't it? Absolutely. It is so terribly hard. 
But this is why the scriptures say to us that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When we think of that needlepoint passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we oftentimes make that very self-centered. I can get through my job because Christ strengthens me. I can get through these financial difficulties because Christ strengthens me. I can get through my marital problems because Christ strengthens me. Christ will constantly strengthen me. I can deal with my annoying coworker. <laughs> I can deal with my kids who annoy me with their constant questions and crazy not listening to me. I can deal with my husband who doesn't listen to me, my wife who may talk to me too much about things I don't do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I would dare say it's the most difficult thing to do to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. We have a saying in our house that none of us likes to hear. The world doesn't revolve around you. And it's true for all of us. Everybody who is in your midst today, sitting in their own pews, in their own sections and quadrants of the church, everybody who is placed before you today, when you go out to have your lunch or you go out to a friend's house, whatever else it is, God has placed these people in front of you to do good for them. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to give up everything that you have and are. It doesn't even mean that you have to necessarily sit there and talk to them about stuff that you don't want to talk to them about. He very simply says to acknowledge them as a fellow human being, as somebody that was created by God. After all, God ordained from the foundation of this world that you and I and everybody else out there exist. The high, the low, the rich, the poor, the winners and the losers. And this isn't about us showing God how much we love and praise him and everything else. It is about what God has changed you to do for people out there. Why? Because Jesus has looked upon us through his cross, through his forgiveness, through his love and his mercy. He has poured out his righteousness freely for you. The problem is, is that people make this some sort of abstraction. These people were sitting there with Jesus and a man who has dropsy shows up. That's a, kind of a swelling disease. The rules say that you can't heal this guy on the Sabbath. They can't even say whether or not Jesus should be allowed to heal him. Is it lawful, Jesus asks. He sticks it to the Pharisees and the lawyers. Is it okay to heal a suffering man? Uh, we don't know. Think about that. Even the clergy, who are so wrapped up in their religiosity, can't even look at somebody who has a simple problem of swelling and say, go ahead and heal the man. They elevated themselves and the rules over their neighbor. They lifted up the Sabbath over the actual command of the Lord to love our neighbor as ourselves. Instead of a man needing mercy, this poor man was seen as subhuman. 
The Pharisees were so wrapped up in themselves, their little world was revolving around themselves, that they were, not, they were so worried about staying clean and holy that they would not pollute themselves with people who are sinners. Instead, though, they become the ones that are subhuman because they are denying the humanity of their neighbors in need. Jesus sets it right, though. This man is not some dirtbag. He is actually not even a friend. The word here that Jesus uses for friend in the Greek is not heter, which is friend. It is philos, city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. He looks at this man and he says, son or brother. And he looks at him as if he was a family member in danger. Would you help him? Of course, we're going to give our answers today. But you and I are sons and daughters baptized into Christ, baptized into the church, and baptized into one another, believe it or not. As much as you don't want that to be the case, no one here will bring you down because today you are lifted up once again by Christ. And next week it's going to happen as well. Even if you decide to take my advice of sitting in a different place. But it's so easy to lose sight of this. Because out there, and even in here, there's going to be endless divisions. And we're going to buy into them so easily. They're comfortable. If we only spoke with the people who are exactly like we are, We'd be nice and cozy. But you have been brought into a church with all sorts of brothers and sisters who might not be a part of your club, who might not vote the way that you do, who might not even be your friend on social media. It's easy to be scared of one another out there. In here, though, Jesus says today through Paul, you are one. The difficulty here then is, is that you are also baptized. And as a baptized son and daughter, outside of these walls, humanity should become one for you as well. Think about it. If we actually did this, how much might the world change? Unless man-made divisions over theories and ideas might go away, imagine how much unity we would have. Imagine what might happen if we actually sat in the lowest place and sought the well-need of others. That's really what Luther talks about in the last portion of the Catechism with the Ten Commandments. Constantly looking out for our neighbor in need, whether it's their marriage, their family, their possessions, anything else. Why? Because Jesus has looked at you today, and through his death and resurrection... He has now called you his son and daughter. Though we deserve to be put in the last place, he looks at you today and says, Brother, sister, move up higher. Come to this table which has been set before you. Be seated at the table of the Lord's great feast. All our friends, brothers and sisters, son of the one true father, and also heirs of everlasting life. What is his is yours. Ours together.
And we leave this place walking together with humility and gentleness, as hard as that might seem, but doing so in Christ who can do all things by strengthening us. In the church, in the world, wherever the name of Christ might be found, even in you. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.